You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, it is mailbag day. So we are, a lot of the times when we do this, we will do a little bit of, you know, news of the day, whatever's on our minds, whatever happened in the game the day before, or preview a different game. But there wasn't a game today. There isn't a game tomorrow. So we just have questions and luckily some of our questions take care of the things that occurred today so we're just gonna hop in that's cool yeah and we have all the answers so i mean it works out right eric yeah um, absolutely uh, <laughs> um so we'll we'll uh we'll start with this uh thanks ooh, first off, also thanks. also um i will tell you frank and i are doing a time limit on this portion of the mailbag um so it is 10:05 right now we are only going to 11 o'clock and at 11 o'clock I will strike down and say, we are done for today. Even if it is mid-sentence for me or for Frank, I'm striking it down, and we're going to be done at 11, period. Yeah, we're going to get through like two questions, so that's, <laughs> I, I apologize to everybody. We, we actually had a ton of, ton of questions. We had a bunch of people email in, thanks to, to all of you. I, I was telling Eric we should try to make sure we get to the emails at least just because um, – that takes a little bit more effort than tweeting at us. Um, yeah. But uh, so thanks for that. Emailing us at lockedonbucks at gmail.com. Obviously, follow the uh, podcast specific Twitter feed at lockedonbucks. Um, and why don't we just jump jump into it? Because the first question that we pick um, is from Eric Steliga. Eric Steliga. Eric S. Uh, Eric, apologies for mispronouncing your name. Um, but Eric uh, had a question about uh, Giannis's reaction to all the kid news, uh, which happened today, and obviously you were there for it, and so you have uh, as good a perspective as anyone. But I'll read Eric's question and, and tip it over to you, um, because obviously there was a lot of discussion from Giannis today, and I don't know if there was anything shocking, but it was obviously good to hear him speak publicly after his name being used very liberally uh, by Jason Kidd and, and obviously being a focal point of, uh, of all the, you know, uh, discussion after Jason Kidd's firing. So the question from Eric is a common concern over this dismissal, even with some local media is obviously Giannis's long-term future with the Bucks and possible damage to his relationship with the front office slash ownership. Do you feel Giannis's first public comments today alleviated these concerns or do you think Giannis was just saying all the right things? Uh, and he, Eric adds in, parentheses here i for one was more encouraged by his comments than i even hope to be and hope this quiets down some of the criticism so eric eric name not <laughs> eric from the mailbag um what were your kind of takeaways from today you you saw, obviously saw the whole thing live you transcribed it so you probably have it seared into your brain uh his comments better than than anybody so i, I don't know what was your reaction to uh, to today's comments from Giannis. um i was i was impressed 
Um, that's the most, uh, I would say probably the most serious media session um, Giannis has ever had to do. Um, obviously, there's been other times where he's been asked like serious questions and, and a contract extension, and obviously when his dad passed away at the start of the year, those were serious, but in a in a different way. Um, but as far as like getting the nails put to you, let's say um, this was this was kind of the the biggest, most serious one Giannis has ever had. And I gotta say, I I kind of laughed at the start because the first question uh, from Matt and we were both joking about like how do you start this because we both knew it was gonna get serious and Matt tried to start it very casually and he's just like what a what have the last you know forty eight hours been like for you and Giannis said the same as usual wake up in the morning and try to spend as much time as I can on the court getting better and that was it and like. It was just like a perfect way to start it because it was like, oh, okay. Like Giannis can kind of joke about this and know that it's like this is about to get very serious. So from after that, obviously the next question was obviously there are reports that you reached out to Jason Kidd and now those reports have been like that conversation has been reported publicly and uh, there was a number of things said in there whether or not this was the right thing to do and whether or not you you thought the Bucks should have gotten rid of Jason Kidd and uh, I, he really had a perfect response for it because his first response was first of all whatever private conversations happen between me and coach I'm going to keep it to myself but I did reach out to him and explain that, like, well, of course I'm going to do that. He was my second coach. He's a big part of my success in the league, and that's one of my great characteristics. I'm loyal to the people I work with, and he's one of the guys that I worked with for three and a half years. I don't just love him as a coach. I love him as a person. I care about him as a person, and of course I'm going to reach out to him and talk to him before it happened. And the reason why I say I thought it was was kind of masterfully done was, as soon as he said, whatever private conversations happen between me and coach, I'm going to keep it to myself. That meant that both Matt and I couldn't go essentially line by line in Ramona Shelburne's report and say, Ramona reported that Jason Kidd said you said this. Did you say that? Do you believe that? And like it, instead of turning into, uh, I don't want to say questioning, um, but that's kind of what it could have turned into if he doesn't open with like that first statement that I'm going to keep that conversation private because then you you can't really ask about any of that because his retort would just be, well, I'm going to keep that private. Um, but I, I do think we, we ended up getting into a lot of stuff there. Um, I had asked about, do you feel like you deserve to be fired? And he said, well, that's not in my hands. That's in the front offices. Uh, but if it's me being traded or the coach being fired or whatever move that they think is the right move to make this a championship level team, I think it's the right move for it to happen. And I think obviously that kind of, for me, took away any sting that there might have been from Giannis. I think that kind of showed to me that he was pretty clearly, um, he pretty clearly understands like this is a business and this is kind of how all that's going to happen. So um, I can understand the maybe hesitance to put a lot into this because Giannis knew this was coming for 48 hours and you could say well he was just going to say all of the right things uh, but at the same time I, I thought there was kind of a perfect balance between um, a, a reverence and affection for his coach and a guy that I mean uh, obviously <laughs> we, we've seen it debated plenty on Buck's Twitter 
how much credit Jason Kidd deserves for developing Giannis, and I don't, I don't really have any interest in getting into that conversation. But it is undeniable that he coached him from the years of 19 to 23, and from the time he was a 19-year-old to the time he was a 23-year-old, or from 19 to 23, he, he moved from a role player to one of the best basketball players on the planet. Like That part is undeniable. Um, and I think, obviously, there's going to be a connection between those two guys. Um, so I thought there was a good balance struck between, of course, I feel that way, and of course, I'm going to be emotional, but also, at the same time, Giannis pretty much said, like, this is a business. And uh, obviously, I, it's going to be a time where I struggle with kind of trying to figure all of this out. But at the same time, it, I was happy that the organization let me know beforehand. It made it a little bit uncomfortable with me and Kid that I ended up knowing beforehand and calling him and talking to him about it. Um, but it's the NBA, and I have to be professional. So, um, I honestly thought that I came away, like I said, really impressed. I thought he he handled it really well, um, and it was going to be a tough session, and he ended up talking for, I think, almost 10 minutes, and I thought at the end of it, you had a pretty good idea of what he he thought of everything that had gone down and also what he thought of those conversations being shared. Like He, he said multiple times that, I prefer to keep my private conversations private. Like I'm not going to share those publicly. And that I had asked straight up if it bothered him that it was now public. And he started by saying, "Well, no, it, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me. But I'm the type of person that keeps that private." So it, I thought there was enough of an explanation that clearly um, that was not something he wanted done. That's not something that he would do is share a, a private conversation publicly. Yeah, I think you covered uh, covered it really. I mean, you know, it, it was very even handed, didn't really provide fuel for, you know, conspiracy theories about Giannis forcing a trade, although he he did actually allude to being traded Trading himself. Yes. in in uh, when, you know, he was asked about, you know, uh the front office and trusting and whether it's right was the right decision. And, um, you know, he just sort of said like, you know, just if, if this is what, you know, the front office wants to do, then that's, that's it, you know, um, then that, that's going to be it. If that's what they think is best for the team. If then he's, then he's, he took it further and said, if they think that they need to trade me, then that's, that's what it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I didn't think it really kind of changed the narrative versus what I think we thought, was going to be the case around Giannis a couple of days ago when this first went down, you know, I mean, I think, you know, we expected him to, to be, again, have that loyalty to kids still, but also, I mean, he's grown up a lot. He's not the kind of guy who is going to sit around and pout and make life difficult. And he obviously has a relationship with Joe Prunty and the rest of the staff. So, you know, I think that was part of the message too. It's like, you know, the players know these guys, like, it's not like, the, the world is being turned upside down in terms of the day to day, even though obviously uh, Jason Kidd was clearly the, the obviously the most influential guy in in the huddle and and in this you know in the locker room. So and um, also anyway, and also I was like, I was going to say like you knew Giannis wasn't going to like shoot a jab back like there there yeah. was like that was just something that is uh, I, I think for him just would not make any sense to 
say something that he alluded to some of the conversation they had being shared publicly, but not all of it. And I mean, he could have easily, if he was extremely upset and maybe a little bit more petty, said something different and took a jab back at, at Jason Kidd for sharing something publicly that was private, but he didn't do that. And I, I didn't expect him to do something like that, but that could have that could have happened if there was someone less mature handling that situation. Yeah. So let's um, let's get into some stuff that's a bit more forward looking, um, and uh, and that starts with with Joe Prenti. We had a bunch of questions uh, around Joe Prenti, and um, this first one I don't necessarily have a good answer for. A lot of these the, the Prenti ones I don't know if we really have a good answer for it at this point, or at least you know my default question on a lot of the Prenti stuff around like what's he going to do? How's it going to be different? It's that. You know, I don't know if it's going to be all that different because he was the lead assistant these past three and a half years. And so, you know, again, um, unless there's just a lot of influence from front office to to try different things, that that could be something that drives it. But just, you know, otherwise, I don't know if there's going to be a huge change. But with that as a preface, um, Scott Rumportal uh, emailed us. Um, so Scott writes, I completely understand the ridiculousness of questioning a Prunty rotation in the 45th minute of his interim head coaching tenure, but I've been a Bucks fan since the Todd Day, Eric Murdoch, Showtime Bucks. First off, uh, I'm not sure, Scott, I've ever heard the Todd Day, Eric Murdoch era showtime. Bucks referred to as the Showtime Bucks, <laughs> but I love it. Um, but he says, uh, since he's been a fan since then, I'm allowed to question things. But why is Crunch Time Deli still being forced upon me? Analytics, God no. Eye test, failed. Extra ball handler, we have plenty. Three-point shot, maybe, but nowhere near 40%. Sets cool picks, gets in fights, and drinks Fosters, probably. Thank you, Scott. I enjoyed that email greatly. Um, and I actually also made a joke about, uh, you know, playing deli crunch time minutes uh, was like the dying wish of Jason Kidd that, that Joe Prenti uh, had, to, had to carry out. <laughs> also, um, I beat both of you guys to it. I complained about the uh, Bledsoe middleton list lineup that was that ended the third quarter and started the fourth quarter. So yeah. we're, we, we're, we can handle some rotation talk. I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I, I don't know that a Giannis list night is the, the easiest way to kind of slide into being a head coach um and that just kind of makes your life more difficult but yeah i'm curious if we will continue to see crunch time deli it's certainly something that we've talked about before and uh complained about and i would hope that we kind of see that come to an end um but at the same time if if Prunty has that same level of trust in Delhi that Jason Kidd did, maybe we won't. But yeah, I, I would kind of hope that we don't see that. Yeah, I mean the the thing here. I mean, it's, it's really uh, largely it comes down to Delhi versus Snell, right? And it's and so because um, presumably in crunch time you're going to see Bledsoe, you're going to see Middleton, Brogdon, uh, and then Giannis. And so the question, you know, is is are you seeing Snell? Are you seeing Della Vadova? Um, and they obviously do different things. I think we've talked a fair bit about how, you know, given the other sort of ball handling talent on the floor there, we'd rather see Snell than Delhi. But again, I, I don't know. And I'm sure it might change night to night depending on, on what those guys are doing. Um, but that, that certainly could be in flux. Um, we had one question here that um, kind of covered similar things. So our friend Justin Johnson uh, emailed us, taking the time to email us, 
Uh, Justin writes, would love a brief breakdown of any differences we saw in Prunchy's approach to the offense and defense from Monday's game, and if they are indications of anything we can expect going forward. Also wondering your level of concern that Sweeney is a kidite and has so much t- and has so much time with Giannis. Don't poison my sweet baby boy, Sweeney. Thanks, dudes. Hope <laughs> I can take your money and draft again. Justin did beat us in draft last week, so he can talk that smack. Um, For now. Another, yeah. And, uh, related question from at Tavern Wisconsin Sports. How will a Prunty coach team differ from a kid coach team? Uh, and again, I, I don't know. I, I really can't say, as you said, especially a, a first game with, you know, three hours of prep after kid was uh, fired with, you know, again, kids fired three hours later playing a game. You don't have Giannis. Um, I, I don't know that that game is going to be all that representative of, you know, incorporating all the things Joe Brenti has wanted to do since, you know, he's been an assistant under Jason Kidd. Um, so I think we're going to have to wait. I know uh, our friend Dean Maniat um, uh, said he saw a couple things that he was curious to see if they would last. He wasn't going to kind of write about them yet, but um, offensively he saw some things and, and was curious if those were going to last. So I think, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but again, kind of tough given the circumstances. And also, as you said, with Giannis out, you know, the whole kind of everything, especially offensively, the focal point kind of isn't there. So, um, so I think we'll have to see. So that, that's my, that's my non-answer to, to this kind of what, how will, uh, it be different. Um, and then, uh, as far as Sweeney goes, yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, that was the thing I think we thought was most interesting, like th- in talking about like coaches and if, you know, coaches were going to leave or stay, um, you know, finding out yesterday that, that Eric Hughes and, and Tim Gergerich, obviously, you know, Gerg's been kind of a part-time guy, um, very well liked, but older, uh, versus Hughes, who was, you know, one of the bench assistants, um, a bigger deal to see him leave. Uh, but Sweeney, obviously, yeah, it was always the most interesting one because obviously he, He's kind of the lightning rod in the sense that he was, you know, kind of the up and coming young guy, architect of the defense, which was once a compliment. Now, not so good to be associated with the defense. And perhaps most importantly, he's obviously been the guy that uh, kid had tapped on the shoulder to be Giannis's kind of personal um, development guy. So um, it does seem like Sean Sweeney is going to stick around for the time being. And obviously, you know, I, I, I just assume that that none of the staff will stick around beyond the summer, but um, at least I guess in the short term, I mean, Eric, it seems like Sean Sweeney is sticking around, which, you know, especially for Giannis might kind of at least keep some additional stability that um, I I don't know if that was a factor and obviously what what the the front office decided, but um, at least it seems like he's going to have at least some continuity there with Sweeney sticking around. Yeah, I mean, I think with Sweeney, it'll be interesting to see if he has shifted from a kid guy to a Giannis guy because I would say that is one hell of a business decision um, from just kind of working your way up with kid and again maybe that means you're more of a of a skill development guy maybe that means you're uh, a little bit I guess taking a bit of a demotion Um, and maybe that means you're, you're no longer the architect of the defense or anything like that but if you are Giannis's guy, and I know uh, Kevin Arnovitz talked about it a little bit on the on the Hoop Collective podcast today uh, with Tom Havistrow, but he had mentioned that Giannis has a tight circle, and Giannis is Kobe-like, something that obviously I noted earlier this year on my, uh, my story about Giannis trying to unsuccessfully learn how to start playing chess, um, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> when we talked, when you talk about that, it's it's kind of that idea that there's not a ton of people that Giannis really trusts to be a part of his day to day routine. He's very uh, schedule oriented. He always wants to do certain things, and he kind of gets into a routine. And removing part of that routine in Sean Sweeney might have upset him for the rest of the season. So that's certainly. To me, obviously, we haven't heard anything official about what a, what assistants are staying or going, but I noted today at practice that there was still Foster, Broghammer, Sweeney, and Stacey Ogman working with players, so those four were still out there. But if he does end up sticking around, like I think part of not upsetting Giannis's routine would be keeping Sean Sweeney around. I think where it gets interesting is the the most obvious place this team was underperforming was defensively. And yep. Sweeney was the the architect of the defense. But where I think things get really interesting in the next couple of days is attempting to figure out the level of control that Jason Kidd put over his assistants. Because for the last three and a half years, we've all functioned on the assumption that Jason Kidd is there, um, and Jason Kidd is coaching and, and doing the different things that Jason Kidd does, but the offense is Joe Prunty's, and the defense is Sean Sweeney's. And uh, I think we're going to find out, I think, a kind of interesting test in seeing whether or not that is actually something that's true. I, I know as I was talking to Dean the other day, um, and we were talking through some of the offensive stuff, there was some higher ball screens than we had seen. Um, one of the complaints I've had for a while now is setting ball screens inside the three-point line, and in that game on Monday, there was a number of ball screens that moved up the floor, which <clears throat> speaks a lot to a lot of the things the Spurs do with ball screens and generally just more effective offense. So was that something that Joe, that Sean, excuse me, that Joe Prunty had wanted to do? For a while, and Jason Kidd had said, "No, this is how we're going to run things." Is this something new that he's experimenting with? Like, uh, we will never—I don't think—really truly know the answers to that. But it's going to be fascinating to see how much that changes offensively, defensively. Was it was it both Sweeney and Kidd being stubborn and rejecting some of the changes that they made, where they went more conservative for a couple games, or was that? just Jason Kidd or was it just Sean Sweeney and now maybe he won't have control defensively and he'll just be Giannis's skill guy and Joe Pronti will figure out exactly what they want to do and one of the things that we learned when we talked with Joe Pronti today was that obviously they have schemes in place and there's changes to be made like guys don't get fired unless changes need to be made with those things but at the same time it's the middle of the season you have they had off practice on Tuesday, so you have Wednesday and Thursday to make changes that you want for Friday. So does that mean there's going to be sweeping changes? I would doubt it in two days. Maybe that's something for the All-Star break, but you do have to figure out small changes that you can make for now to get yourself through these next 11 games and get yourself to the All-Star break. So I don't know. It's going it, to... I don't know how much it's going to change, but man, if that isn't going to be really interesting to see all of the changes that occur um, now that 
you see the move from kid to prunty yeah we had a couple questions that kind of touched on this stuff so i'll just i'll just read them off because and again we're we're kind of cruising over these a little bit but brendan sweeney asked do you think horse is going to push prunty to switch defensive schemes up do you think horse tried to convince kid to make changes and that is when he did his halves of conservative d and would just say it didn't work um herd of deer asked in the press time today hard uh, prunty hardly mentioned changing our defense is our trap defensive product of kid or sweeney um I think Brendan Sweeney, I don't believe any relation to Sean. Um, Brendan, um, Brendan's question, I, I mean, I, I, we kind of alluded to it. it. It did sound like the front office pressured Kid to try some different things um, early in the season, especially like after Bledsoe came. Um, they were having all those issues defensively, and it seemed like they're, you know, uh, Dean at, at all the Bucks has done a bunch of, you know, different kind of, you know, studies where he's looked at, how the Bucks have fared within games when they were more aggressive versus less aggressive. I mean, the numbers always say they're less aggressive. Sets always seem to be better in terms of you know points allowed than than their aggressive sets. Um, and but yeah, I mean, kid sort of half-assing an attempt to play some more conservative stuff, and then um, you know saying it doesn't work or whatever. It seems very Jason Kidd. Um, I thought it was interesting, Kevin Pelton. Um, I had a story the other day where he cited some second spectrum stats about the Bucks. Um, their, I think it was their blitz. I think there's they have they track um, the percentage of plays. I don't know if it was just strictly pick and rolls, I guess, but uh, plays that are blitzed by the defense and the Bucks were like at some crazy high level, and then it had actually gone down a lot um, over the course of the season, but it was still you know reasonably high. Um, and I thought that was interesting because this is one of these things that I've always sort of struggled with. Like I always want to like try to find data to see like, you know, things about like, you know, how often do you double team or blitz or, you know, use different pick and roll coverages, whatever. Like I'm always curious, um, uh, what, what does the data actually say? Cause it's just sort of, you know, now repeated as gospel that the bucks, Oh, the bucks are the most aggressive team and they blitz all the time and all that. And it kind of, there's like, you know, a lot of times it doesn't feel like there's much room for nuance because the bucks don't always do the same thing. I mean, like every team, they, they make adjustments and do different things, different times. So, um, but I think it will, it is a good question. Cause obviously if ever there was a time for, you know, John Horst in the front office to go to the coaching staff and say, all right, guys, you're now actually going to do what we want. We want you to, we want to see more of this or that. Um, now would be the time to do it. Cause you obviously have a compromised, uh, staff that, um, you know, again, should be motivated to kind of play ball and, and do what the front office wants. Cause you know, again, maybe they're all likely to be gone next year, but um, certainly playing ball and, and being good soldiers is not going to hurt them either help their chances of staying or um, help their chances of, you know, getting a good recommendation on the way out and saying yeah. this guy, you know, he, he did what we asked and, you know, no complaints, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so yeah, I think it's a good question. Um, I, I would say is our trap defensive product, Kidder Sweeney. Um, I mean, Keep in mind, I mean, Sweeney was came to the Nets as a defensive court, uh, a defense, or sorry, a video coordinator. Yep. Um, then b- became an assistant, um, and I mean, I don't know exactly what his role was in that first year where he was an assistant, where um, the where, when Kid was in his first year as coach. But my guess is that Jason Kidd did not base the changes they made uh, defensively like entirely on. Sweeney's ideas you know I'm guessing given how young he was that 
you know, Jason Kidd obviously had to believe in this stuff himself. You know, kind of somewhat famously, after Brook Lopez got hurt, they became a lot more aggressive and played smaller and, and things like that, and it actually worked pretty well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, from everything I understand, it certainly seems like Kidd and Sweeney were definitely, you know, closely aligned. And, um, you know, again, I, I don't think Sean Sweeney was dying to play a, a conservative defense this entire time, but uh, he may not have have much choice uh, depending on what we see going forward. So yeah, all, all will be very interesting to see starting uh, starting on Friday. Um, let me go to some more questions um, related to the kind of coaching. Um, Jason Kesman asked, "What do you think would happen to Prunty if the Bucks win a playoff series?" The same thing that would happen to him if they don't win a playoff series, which is he'll get an interview for head coach. I would say he will get an interview for head coach and I, I would be absolutely, I mean, and, and again, I, I have heard people, people I know associated with the Bucks who have very negative opinions of Jason Kidd. Many of them have very good impressions of Joe, Joe Prenti and those kind of small, it's a small sample for me because I yeah. don't know that many people, but um, you know, I'm, I'm not BSing when I say that he is a guy that is respected by, by folks and he's a stand-up guy. Totally. The personality personality stuff you hear about Jason Kidd, um, as much as Joe Prunty obviously went along with Jason Kidd, he, you know, hitched his career to Jason Kidd by being his assistant coach. Um, you know, a lot of the criticisms that obviously have been laid at the feet of Jason Kidd, um, especially the personality stuff does not seem to really apply to, to Joe Prunty. So, uh, um, today just talking to players, um, I think it's going to be hashtag positive Prunty. That's yeah. probably going to be kind of the the message is that as you talk to players, it was overwhelming. Like, yes, Joe is a, a guy that is is very positive. And to me, you don't comment on how positive the assistant coach was unless, well, the guy before him wasn't super positive like if everyone's positive then there's no reason to point out just how positive joe prunty is and uh, obviously I, I think there's some good cop bad cop fire and ice kind of stuff there where if as a head coach you are probably going to be in a spot where you're going to have to be the bad cop a little bit more and as an assistant coach you can be the good cop and kind of be the guy that people like but also at the same time that's just kind of who Joe Prunty is. And anyone that you talk to within the organization says that same thing, that Joe Prunty is just a, a positive guy and he kind of brings that attitude wherever he goes, whatever job he's doing, like that's just kind of him. So uh, I would say if you're thinking about the changes that I can note for you right now between Jason Kidd and Joe Prunty, I mean, I think just kind of demeanor is is a big one. And um, even in the first game, I think you kind of saw that in that I think I, I've mentioned this to a couple people. I think Jason Kidd coached this team in year four very much like he coached the team in year one, where in year one, like he didn't need to be fiery, like he needed to be calm. He needed to be the rock for this young team because they weren't going to be able to handle it when in reality, in the last two years, they've needed a guy that would certainly on the bench be more fiery, stand up for them, um, and not get frustrated with mistakes, but rather if there was a shot that was forced rather than complain about it being a bad shot, like, 
go complain to the official that your guy was fouled. And uh, Joe Prunty was in the face of one of the officials on on Monday night when Chris Middleton came around there. So uh, I just think you're going to see kind of, uh, I think that, even though that's not positive, but that's a, a standing up for your guys kind of moment. And when you think of positivity from the coaching spot, it's being a guy that stands up for his players and that can be having a positive attitude in practices and trying to help them through any struggles, but it can also be on the sidelines standing up for them and being positive for them in that way. So um, to me right now, that's the biggest thing I I think I can see is that just kind of positive prunty is going to, is going to turn into a thing. At E. Conniption asks us, now that kid is gone, is your expected end of season record for the Bucks better, worse, or the same? Um, I'll give you a quick answer. I'm, I'm act, by the way, I'm actually going to, I, I'm seeing that clock ticking. I actually want to get through as many as possible. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I will just say this on it. Probably about the same as I thought at the beginning of the season, which is a little bit better than sort of what they're trending for right now. You know, again, 45, 46 wins. I'll just keep saying that, to be honest. I, you know, again, I, I think to expect like a, a revolution in terms of what they're, the way they play or, you know, they're suddenly become like a tremendous defense. Like, I, I don't I just don't expect that. But um, can we see more consistently them playing at their highest level, which I know was a big point for Prunty, you know, sort of one of his talking points, just sort of that night to night consistency. Um I think that's very possible. You know, I think uh, I think certain guys are, are going to play better without kids sort of lording over them um, and some of that baggage being gone. Um, so I, I think, again, I, I don't I think it's possible they go on a big run, but um, you know, I think they're talented enough. But, you know, again, um, it, it's not like Steve Kerr walked through that door either. So here's the thing. I think the Bucks were poised for kind of a a little bit of a run here. I've mentioned that a couple times. And um, I think Brian Windhorst mentioned it the other day on the jump that like the Bucks knew this was kind of the time that they needed to do it because one, they had the ammunition that, oh, the team with like we're an eight seed right now. um, So we can, we have reason to get rid of Jason, but also we're about to hit a stretch of our schedule that could go very well. Um, and that could possibly save his job. So I think in the short term, you're going to see a bunch of, I don't want to say a bunch of wins, but there's a chance that they win seven of these next 11. Um, and that's, I think, pretty good and obviously trending above what their overall record is. But for the rest of the season, I don't know that you're seeing a markedly better team just because Jason Kidd has left and one of his assistants has taken over. Like, I I just don't think that's necessarily going to happen. Like you said, maybe some of the baggage and uh, some of the negative vibes like might leave and you might get a win or two more, but I don't know that it's going to be, like you said, like a night and day difference. Yeah. I mean, I think the you know, as much as John Horst talked about this being a move they made, not just for the future, but for this season as well. Um, I think for me, this is much more about the future, you know, and again, I, I don't think that's going to involve Joe Prunty no matter what they do as, as the head coach of this team. Um, but I will certainly be rooting for Joe, uh, and, yep. and the bucks. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, I mean, just for context too, you know, the bucks are at what, 24 and 22. I mean, for them, if you, if, you know, let, let's dream the impossible dream. If you want to say, what would it take for the bucks to get to 50 wins? I mean, they'd have to go 26 and 10 the rest of the way Woo! to get to, 50 wins um which is obviously a way higher level of play than than where they've i mean basically you're talking about them 
playing like sort of the, you know, Celtics Raptors have, you know, as far as East teams that, that have, you know, kind of rung up wins at similar paces. Um, on the flip side, you know, the John Salmon's Andrew Bogut uh, team from 2010 in that spring, they finished the season 22 and eight, which is pretty damn close to, damn. to that in terms of winning percentage. So again, you know, if everything kind of goes right, there's probably a, a, a world in which that's possible, um, but certainly not one I would expect. So, uh, yeah, I mean, to go to win 46 games at this point, um, you'd have to get 20. You'd have to go 22 and 14. So that that's not a shabby record either over a 36 game sample. So, um, so we'll see. Uh, kind of transitioning from um, Prunty and Kid to kind of what comes next. Um, had a couple, a number of people ask about. Uh, Co- you know who who might be in the mix here for for the the head coaching job moving forward um jordan at milwaukee ham that's a coveted handle um asks uh one does kid ever get a head coach gig again uh two thoughts on arnovitz's big picture viewpoint for the head coaching job this is reference to the hoop collective uh comments i, th- I think that arnovitz uh, yeah. made that we both listened to um uh and he, uh, jordan had a couple other questions so I'll, I'll table for now um other kind of questions in the same vein, which I'll read them off just because we'll, we'll kind of tackle them all in one big uh, soliloquy from both of us, presumably here. Um, so Zach Vincent emails us, question for the next pod. What are two names you hope the Bucks consider for the coaching job next summer? And what are two names you're, you'll, you're afraid they'll consider? Thanks for doing what you do and filling my craving for intelligent Bucks discussion here in Nashville, Tennessee. Zach, thank you so much. Um, and then also that's gotta be a low bar. Like I can't imagine there's many other people in Nashville, Tennessee (laughs) talking bucks, but I'm happy Uh, I'm beating whoever else is doing it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and our friend Kurt Lightinger, friend of the pod asks, uh, will kid ever get another head coaching job? What are your top coaching targets? So Kurt, uh, and some of those other questions kind of similar. So I'll ask you first, um, what is your probability for Jason kid being a head coach in the NBA again? Percentage. Yeah. Uh, 50, to 20 okay yeah i was gonna say maybe like 30 to 35 percent just just based on the idea of you know i don't know there's always going to be like sacramentos out there um well because the theory i have going right now is that obviously at this point jason kidd has proven that he's not a great coach he's proven that he does like personnel power and he does kind of i don't know muddy the water in those regards um (laughs) That's so, a charitable description. <laughs> sure. So with all of that, the only thing I think you can think of is, okay, so this guy kind of likes personnel power. What could his personnel power do? And I think Jason very much hitched, attempted to hitch his wagon to Giannis Dedekumbo. That, okay, it, this four-year contract gets done. Vivek and the Kings are trying to figure out how they're going to revive their franchise. And Jason's like, hey, you guys, I'm pretty good friends with Giannis. So, uh, I mean, maybe you'd want to hire me because I could probably get him to come to Sacramento. <laughs> um, so, but like, to me, that's kind of what I'm going through in my head is, one, it has to be an owner that is on the desperate end of things um, and, and is trying to find a way to bring in more players or give their give their team some sort of boost as far as their exposure or kind of the way that people think of them. Um, so I think it's a pretty short list. Yeah. I mean, some important factors. I mean, first off, obviously 
kid had a long playing career where he made obviously a lot of money, which I assume he hasn't spent entirely. And he's going to make uh, what six million dollars for the next two years for doing nothing. So um, Jason Kidd doesn't really strike me as like a guy who's going to go and be an assistant somewhere. No, um, no, 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 no. You know, he doesn't really have a financial incentive to do that. Um, Personality wise, doesn't really seem a fit for him. I don't think he's going to start paying his dues at this point. Um, no. And but what at the dues? same time, he's a Hall of Famer. No, yeah, exactly. There's no dues and, to pay. Right. Um, and, I, you know, you always think of Mark Jackson, who obviously the, we've talked, you know, that that comparison has been made a bunch of times in terms of like, you know, Jackson being the guy that sort of started to unlock the the Warriors. But, you know, they had to get a better coach in order to really take the, the leap. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and again, I don't think Mark Jackson will ever. I don't think Mark Jackson's ever going to coach again. Um, he'd probably be on my list of people that. Um, to the answer Zach's question, two names you're afraid they'll consider. I mean, I don't think the, I mean, I'm not like worried the Bucks are going to hire Mark Jackson, but Jackson's name still gets thrown around randomly about for coaching jobs. And I mean, I've heard people, you know, like random people mention him as like, oh, well, the Bucks can choose from so and so, and like people like blah, 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 including Mark Jackson. And I'm not really like, I don't know, I would be pretty shocked if they hired Mark Jackson, but, and I would be, very displeased if they hired Mark Jackson, uh, considering the irony of that. Um, but, uh, but Mark Jackson also has like a nice job as, you know, uh, a TV guy. So he doesn't really even need a coaching job. Whereas like Jason Kidd is not going to go and be, you know, a TNT announcer or something like that. So I don't, I don't know like what he's going to do with his time otherwise. Um, so, so I don't know, like I could see him, you know, trying to go get another shot at, at being a head coach somewhere. But again, um, and again, I, I don't know if it would be so much like he'd you'd leverage the Giannis stuff because it's like, oh, I'm going to get you Giannis because the Bucks are probably going to be start being more successful and, you know, without kids. <laughs> so, um, See, now I, you're asking can, for logic in Jason Kidd scenarios. Yeah. And, well, well, I think he could, though. He could go to a team that's like young and has like young players and be like, hey, I developed, I developed Giannis. Yep. Yeah. Look, I'll I'll take Scalabissi here. <laughs> Turn, turn yep. him into something. Yep. By the way, don't look at you know Thonmaker, Rashad Vaughn, DJ Wilson, um, and you know everybody else the Bucks have drafted over the past four years, other than than uh, than Giannis who who showed up before before they got uh, poor kid uh, was there. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's just he's one of those guys I could just see not getting another job. But I don't know. I mean, he has some kid's weird because obviously he has a lot of seems like he has a lot of enemies but he also has you know he's he has some friends certainly around the league as well so so maybe maybe if there's somebody but ironically like that ed stefanski quote we we mentioned yesterday i mean even his friends maybe would be kind of scared to hire him to be their coach so uh, so i don't don't know um so let's let's talk about this i mean let me preface the, the the like coaching candidate conversation by saying eh, i don't know i mean like on some level i i don't I can't sit here. I'm. I'm. I'd be lying if I said that I know exactly who would be the best pick for the Bucks. Because I would love if I don't know who that person is. That would make me feel <laughs> much better about it. Because if I can come up with the candidate, like I'm a little bit concerned that I don't know. Like I don't have very much information to go off of this. Like I yeah. shouldn't be able to do that. Like you have yeah. way more information. You have way more candidates. You you have way more ability to talk to a million people I would never think of. So granted, there's some that are somewhat obvious, but at the same time, like 
I would be a little bit worried if I can come up with the best candidate. Like I, I would feel much better if you have some idea of an assistant that I don't know well enough to think would be a great coach and like, you hire him and he's great. Like we talk about uh, David Fisdale all the time is someone that people are thinking about, but did I know David Fisdale before he became the coach? Nope. I had I didn't know that he existed. Once I heard his resume that he had worked with LeBron and he was part of like the Spolstra coaching tree, it was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. But did I know it before he got the job? No, I had no idea. Yeah, I mean, I knew Fizdale just because I, you, you know, the Heat were on TV so much that I recognized him and oh, then eventually yeah. heard like, his the name. The guy but, with like the glasses, like, yeah, yeah that, I see that guy. Right, but like as far as knowing his credentials, like did he ever play? Like, you know, I, I didn't know that stuff. Um, Correct. So yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there are guys that like, you know, again, I'll sort of shrug my shoulders at and say, I don't know. I mean, like David Fisdale, I could see Fisdale sure. working really well. Um, you know, uh, he's obviously has a lot of great players who think very highly of him. You would hope that, you know, he could do something similar for Giannis. Um, he I thought, said you know, good things what about he did Giannis in, Memphis. in the past. <laughs> and, and certainly like just, you know, superficially, just some of the stuff in Memphis with obviously the falling out with Marcus Gasol is not uh, a, 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 something that that's a positive, but um, I don't know if that says as much about David Fisdale as, as Gasol. And um, certainly he tried to bring a more progressive style of basketball to Memphis, which, again, has been something we've complained about with Kidd, not wanting to shoot threes and yep. playing slow and all this stuff. And so, uh, you know, in terms of like itches that Bucks fans want to scratch, that that might be one. Um, again, I don't know what his philosophy would be defensively and what his pick and roll coverages would want to be, things like that. But um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's there's some guys that that are kind of interesting. Um, you know, certainly the Spurs. Um, I, I always thought his name was pronounced Ettore Messina. Uh, Kevin Arnovitz in this podcast, I think he referred to him as Ettery, Ettery Messina. I heard Ettery, yes. Ettery, yeah, which seems, I, far, less, me is... seems far less Italian than, than Ettore. Agreed. But anyway, Coach Messina, um, one of the most successful coaches in Europe for a very long time uh, has been with the Spurs now for years. I don't know, three years, four years, something. I don't know. He's been there a while working with pop. Um, Arnovitz, I, again, I know, I don't know that much about, um, about Messina. And I, you know, again, like he has like a lot of buzz and sort of on Buck's Twitter um, because he's a Spurs guy and, you know, he's um, considered like a, I think Arnovitz referred to him as like, you know, kind of an, a tactical genius, right? X is yep. genius. That, that, that's a, an itch that Bucks fans have to have a coach who, who, who ticks that box. Um, I think the, I think Kevin also described him as more of a kind of old school disciplinarian type, although perhaps mm-hmm. Spurs coaching culture has mellowed him somewhat. Um, don't you think it would do the opposite? Like, isn't pop crazy intense? Well, apparently not. That was what Arnovitz was saying that, that Spurs coaching culture is actually kind of mellow. So, um, so I, I don't know, but, um, but yeah, I mean, all these guys are interesting. I mean, you know, I don't know people have talked about Becky Hammond, even who, who supposedly was talked to about the, the GM job, which seems like if they talked to her about the GM job, then they'd have to talk to her for the, for the coaching job. Right. Like, even yeah, if it's just like a so. courtesy thing. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I have no idea what Becky Hammond's philosophies on anything coaching wise are. So it's like to, for me to act like she's, I, I'd be for me to say that she'd be a much better coach than, you know, pick some other random NBA assistant coach who has a good reputation. I mean, what, what the hell do I know? Right. I mean, correct. 
I, I don't know. Um, Throw James but, Borrego on the list as well. Yeah, another, Spurs assist, uh, another Spurs assistant. He's been around the league at a couple different places. Um, Messina was added to the Spurs in 2014. Borrego in 2015, 40 years old. Um, been kind of just uh, around the block. Uh, did some college coaching. Um, had been an assistant for a while. He was the interim head coach in Orlando in 2015 uh, before coming to the Spurs. So... Another name that, again, has that Spurs, I don't even know, glitter on it. I don't even know what to call it, but just has that Spurs musk, let's say. Um, (laughs) Because, I I mean, I just think that that's something that, in general, the the general public that doesn't really know, I mean, we, we don't have access to all sorts of scouting reports and know these people inside out, like from the outside, was he in the Spurs organization? Okay, that sounds good. Like, I, I like what the Spurs do. And hey, Joe Prunty was a Spurs guy. We got that going for us. That is um, correct. So Jacques, Jacques Vaughn. Jacques Vaughn was a Spurs guy, and I think I think actually was it um, was Vaughn the guy who Borrego replaced in Orlando? Because that's the only reason I was. I knew yes. Borrego. Yep. And I was just like, oh, he's just some random assistant who didn't do well as an interim. So it's kind of weird, you know. That it's like now it's like, oh, he's actually a well-regarded assistant. It's like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 difficult. I think you you know you add in some of these X factors, right? Like you know, is, does Jeff Van Gundy want to be an NBA coach again? I mean, there's kind of been talk of him. Perhaps um, I think Minnesota might have been, there might have been some interest. Um, but you know, again, if he wants to like have personnel power or something like that, it's like no, I no, I don't want. I don't I don't know what Jeff Van Gundy would even be like as an as a personnel guy. Um, but you know, I mean, he probably wants it. Stan has it or whatever, but uh, we, we've seen, I think too much of, you know, that stuff. I mean, I mean, Tibbs swinging the Jimmy Butler trade sort of has like completely rescued sort of the, his, his role in Minnesota in that regard as a, mm-hmm. as a personnel guy. But, um, that would be one thing I would, I would really not be interested in. And that would also be a reason why, you know, I think, uh, you know, trying to find that younger up and coming assistant. Uh, option might be really interesting just because those guys would obviously be much easier to get without needing to to throw that type of title at or you know even you know messina or whoever i mean like you know or fizdale like is fizdale going to come in demand personnel power i mean i don't don't think so right um so so uh, i will i will say my suggestions are kevin arnovitz's suggestions i will literally just go to his article that he writes every single year uh Around March of each year, he writes the top five NBA coaching prospects to watch article. Um, And on the top of that list was Messina. Uh, Scrolling down that list is Jerry Stackhouse, who's had a bunch of his success as the Raptors 905 G League team head coach. Um, Then I'll go to Darvin Ham, who he lists as Atlanta Hawks assistant coach. Um, Obviously, he has some Milwaukee connections as well. Brent Barry is also on his list. Uh, Chris Fleming, a Brooklyn Nets assistant coach. Um, And then let me see the ones that he's had just outside of his top five. Uh, Borrego's on that list. Alex Jensen, uh, Utah Jazz assistant coach. Jaron Collins, a Golden State Warriors assistant coach, former NBA player. Tony Bennett, University of Virginia head coach. Steven Silas, uh, obviously he just filled in as the interim head coach for the Charlotte Hornets uh, as uh, Steve Clifford was out. Uh, Nate Tibbetts, 
Portland Trailblazers assistant coach. Um, that about gets me through the list. Um, I don't know anything. I, like, I, if I'm just being totally honest, like I don't, I, I don't know any of this. Um, the only thing I'll say is the reason I kind of believe in this list and think this list is interesting uh, because pretty much every year. Kevin nails a couple of them. Um, his 2013 list had Fisdale, Jaeger, Hoiberg, Kerr, and Blatt on it, so he hit all five. Um, in 2014, he had Quinn Snyder on it. 2015, he had Kenny Atkinson on it. Uh, 2015, he had Ty Lu on it, um, which maybe isn't the best thing because I don't know if anyone <laughs> trusts what Ty Lu has turned into as a coach, but um, there's a, a number of guys there that he hit, and I think when I mention those names, those are all people that I think are largely... I don't, I don't know if I want to say well-liked, but certainly liked. Certainly Fisdale, Jaeger, Kerr, Snyder, Atkinson are all on that list. Hoiberg, I think, was rough initially, and now people are kind of coming around on him. Um, Ty Lue would probably be the one there that is least popular, but um, Kevin is obviously very well informed on all of this, so um, I, I think that would kind of be my list of people I like, and as far as people that I don't like, Phil Jackson. Um, Wait, has anybody mentioned Phil Jackson? I don't know. Like people, like I'm trying to think of because I'm very uninformed. I'm trying to think of the worst possible selections. Phil Jackson. Um, <laughs> like, uh, so I've heard people in Milwaukee um, tweet at radio stations, call into radio stations. Bo Ryan, no, like that's a terrible idea. I just generally don't want to. I I don't trust. Like like Brad Stevens being like this incredible coach and coming directly from college has just sort of thrown off my spidey senses because I just generally am like I don't I don't understand I I don't college to NBA generally makes college me, is just, yeah. it's just a different sport you know like what Agreed. and and I don't know Bill Michaels the other day was talking about like oh some people talking about Calipari and like no, he was here he said oh like the owners had some relationship with Patino and it's just like what are you kidding me like. Like, no, that no would thank be the you most, to any of that. The most tone deaf hire in like history. It's like, hey, hey, who's a who's a famous head coach we can hire? Well, Rick Pitino's been kind of <laughs> famous lately. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I would just literally like, I don't know. I would just buy a plane ticket to Milwaukee and walk into Lake Michigan, and you'd never see me again. If if the Bucks hired Rick Pitino, that would just be like the most tone deaf higher in the history of time which is why i'm really not worried about it we have um, we have three minutes left here and i want to use the rest of them up damn, on this minutes. question um right. because i think what kevin artovitz mentioned in the hoop collective podcast is super important um because and it's something that came up when we were talking about the gm search over the summer in that the milwaukee opportunity is obviously something where you have a great chance at creating a championship level team because you have Giannis, which is awesome. But also you have a bunch of other things that make things difficult. You have a team that's going into a new arena. You have an ownership group that has high expectations. You have an ownership group that is three headed and ultimately two headed, but that two head becomes a one head every five years. And in your second year, that head will change. 
So you have to be able to please both of those owners, but then also a third owner um, that'll be a part of that. And then you also have a young GM who you're going to have to work with as well. And like, there's a great opportunity in Milwaukee, but also at the same time, it is an opportunity that is kind of a powder keg. Like it could, like there is that risk that this will explode and things won't work out, and you have too many bosses and too many people around it and things could go poorly so that's just one thing i want to mention as well um, because over the summer when we talked gm i we kind of kept talking about how gms might want this job because Giannis is there but also gms like money and power and if you're unsure of the power you might have, if you're unsure of the money that you're going to get paid, like that is something that could keep you away from that job. So it'll be interesting to see this summer when the Bucks go about hiring a head coach, how do you fit in with the GM? How do you fit in with ownership? How much are they going to pay you? Like How does all of this work out? And I just think it makes the Bucks coaching job very interesting, but also in some regards interesting for the wrong reasons. Yeah, and... Um... I, just to tack on the the name that was mentioned in that list that I would be the most irrationally fond of um, because he has no coaching experience, he has no management experience, is Brent Barry. I just love Brent Barry as an announcer. Um, <laughs> I mean, he actually like does his homework. He's written actually, I think last year he wrote some interesting stuff on NBA.com about the Bucks defense and things like yep. that. Um, so he, you know, and, and again, like I, I think if you hire. Brent Barry, it's because you're playing the he reminds me of Steve Kerr card. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. a guy who just has played for great, you know, has the the pop connections, the Spurs connections, um, has seen great teams, has been around that, has this the demeanor. Um, and you know, you just get this feeling that he's just a guy who who could figure this out. But that's also kind of a a risky thing, right? To, to over index on Steve Kerr working out with one of the most talented teams that we've seen in a long time. And, um, so, so yeah, so, I mean, again, I, that, that's a risky hire too, right? You know, hiring mm-hmm. guys who, who don't have that type of, you know, haven't paid their dues, but, um, but yeah, it, it'll be really interesting. I mean, um, you know, this is the chance for the bucks to kind of become, um, a normally structured team again, with a GM that's Correct. actually hired, yes. his, that's actually yes, hired his yes, coach, yes, 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 and actually has a coach that um, answers to him because Preach, he was hired by him. And uh, again, like we haven't had this since the Larry Drew era, I guess. Um, and even that one obviously was kind of different because John Hammond had, you know, that was, uh, you know, had John Hammond had been around a while, hadn't been particularly successful. Herb Cole era was still going on, so. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean this is this is really this is the first sort of I think you know reset now since I don't know how long um, since maybe John Hammond was hired um, and and where I think you can like feel like okay there's like a general manager who has a say and an ability to go hire somebody and hopefully and and the capability hopefully to hire somebody good and then we can be a normal franchise that hopefully actually goes out and be su- and is successful. Yes. No, like it, this is a chance at a clear management structure that can sort of a- allow you to, instead of when a move happens, ask who did it? Was it kid? Was it Hammond? Was it horse? Like who was it? And 
that you could just like talk about the move. Like you don't have to worry about whatever conspiracy theory you may have. Like that, like that would be so comforting, Frank. Like I, we could just talk basketball. Like that sounds so delightful. And like you said, like this Bucks team just hasn't had that for a long time. So um, yeah, this is a, a chance to fully hit the reset button. And I do hope that the the Bucks take advantage of it and take that seriously and and set it up how they need to set it up for the future and for success going forward. All right, more mailbag tomorrow. More mailbag tomorrow. We went a little bit over. But I thought that that question was important enough for us to hang out there for a little bit. I thought I thought you would have been a little mad if I would have cut you off after taking up all of the final three <laughs> minutes. Like it was like ten fifty seven. I was like, okay, I'm gonna get this off, and then I gave it to you like right at eleven, and it didn't feel fair. So we went a little bit over, um, but I, I figured we could fudge the rules a little bit. So yeah, and and just to give people a sneak preview, um, other questions we've gotten, and I would say don't. Don't send us more questions because we already have too, <laughs> got too many. <laughs> We're drowning um, in questions. But we just to give you guys a sneak preview, um, we've got some different sections on kind of rotations and development. A lot of people asking about, you know, how will the coaching change uh, impact minutes for guys like Rashad Vaughn, DJ Wilson, Sterling Brown, Tony Snell, um, you know, the starting of, of Malcolm Brogdon. Um, we've got uh, Sith Lord getting some Jabari Parker stuff uh, in the queue, of course. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about Jabari. Um, Marshall, we have a Marshall Plumley question about how the Bucks can keep Marshall Plumley. Okay, <laughs> um, I'm actually okay with that. Uh, we're okay with that. Um, and so that that's uh, and some lineup stuff. You know, the Bucks and and manufacturing a uh, centerless lineup with with Giannis, Jabari, uh, Brogdon, Bledsoe, and Middleton, and and what we might see from that and. Um, some, some, maybe some trade. I feel like people are always asking us to talk about trades and we're always like, we're so bad at it. We're We're so grouchy and we never have good ideas and we're just like, eh, I just don't want to trade. Um, and, uh, and I'll, I'll throw this one out there because maybe, maybe, um, we'll ask you guys this. Feel free to tweet at us with your ideas. Eric Sapnew, uh, asks, what will Buck's Twitter complain about next? That is an evergreen tweet. <laughs> um, so give us your we best We could ask guess. that question at the end of um, every mailbag. Yeah, definitely whoever the Bucks hire, uh, Buck's Twitter will be probably be mad about that because yes. you know everybody will have their random people they've decided is going to be the next Steve Kerr or whatever. And if that guy doesn't get hired, then you know everybody's an idiot. Um, so that that <laughs> that'll be the that'll be what everybody's mad about in you know. The summer, but uh, for now, we'll see. We'll see what you guys think uh, the Bucks, who, uh, Bucks fans are going to be mad about. But anyway, that's all we got. We'll hit, get back to it tomorrow. Yeah, we got all of that coming up tomorrow. We'll have a game preview for Friday where we'll get, a, I think, a better look at the new look Bucks and kind of what they'll look like going forward. So we'll do all of that tomorrow. For Frank, I'm Eric. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.